Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'll be sharing some of my thoughts on digital empathy and an article I wrote on the topic and whether the online world of negativity can be redeemed. Let's get started. Well, welcome to this episode of the Collab Talk podcast, and I'm going to go in a slightly different direction today and talk about uh, a, a topic that I've been thinking about, and I'm sure all of you have been thinking about, and I wrote a blog post about this. I'm going to go through most of that blog post and a couple other things, but uh, digital empathy and and whether it is broken and what we can do to fix that. Um. I'm going to kick things off. There's a quote that I came across that I really liked. It was by uh, Vint Cerf, who's the kind of the father of the internet. Um, the internet is a reflection of our society, and that mirror is going to be reflecting what we see. If we do not like what we see in that mirror, the problem is not to fix the mirror. We have to fix society. Some deep thoughts there from Vint. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, really, what is what has happened to the state of dialogue? And this, is, of course, been on a steady decline. And uh, I mean, there's like, like I've got a couple articles in front of me that are just uh, I'll, I'll be nice and say hogwash. Um, like the New York Times, uh, hate speech rise on Twitter is unprecedented. Like after uh, Elon Musk took over, BS. That's the bias showing of the authors uh, because they, they, it's going less in their direction. Uh, it, it hasn't changed at all. Uh, the, the volume of, of hate that's out there, the hate and vitriol, uh, it, it's, uh, maybe there's a little more balance in the hatred that's out there, but it certainly hasn't gotten worse. That's just ridiculous. Uh, no, no uh, uh, measurement in any way shape or form shows that that is the case. Um, and that's right there. That points to part of the problem that we have out there. You know, what's happened to state of on- online dialogue. Well, it look online dialogue is it's complex. It's varied. It gets weird. Sometimes uh, on the one hand, the internet has opened up all these new opportunities for people to engage with others from around the world, to share ideas, to share perspectives And look, this has led to a vibrant and diverse and rich online community. People can exchange information and learn from one another. It's made the world smaller. However, it's also given rise to a number of problems that can hinder, uh, I don't know, uh, hinder productive and respectful dialogue for one. For example, um, online anonymity, that is a problem. The ability to communicate without that face-to-face interaction for people to be able to claim to be someone that they are not, it can encourages people to really behave in ways that they wouldn't in person. And that leads to this proliferation of, you know, the trolling, the hate and vitriol and other forms of I guess, toxic behavior, if you want to call it that, you know, people are just their worst selves when they don't think that there are any repercussions. 
And then you have the problem of the echo chamber. And this is a problem that, that Twitter has been. And it's been like 90% of one political leaning on there for most of its history. And now there's a little bit less. A lot of those people vacated themselves. I chose those words. Uh, and they, they left and went, went over to Mastodon and whatever. They're whining in their holes around that. But, you know, then you have more of the idiots on the right that have, have also that tried to make it more of their echo chamber. I don't believe that it's gone, you know, it, it, it maybe went from 80-20 to 70-30. Um, but that echo chamber with everybody that's around you that that believes the same things that you believe and are shouting down anyone with different ideas, it reinforces people's existing beliefs and biases. And it makes it very difficult for anybody with a new idea to introduce that idea and engage in open-minded and constructive dialogue with people with different views. So, you know, all the people that talk about free speech and look, there's, there's problems. I think what's happening in Canada, for example, by, uh, by not falling prey to some of these crazy social ideas that are out there. Um, and, and whether you believe that's the case or not, or are being nice or not nice in the words that you say, it's like words don't, you know, words are hurtful but they don't actually hurt you. Um, and, and so people need to uh, have a little bit of emotional intelligence and get over themselves and realize that not everybody's going to agree and move, agree to disagree and move on. Um, but then there's also the spread of misinformation, disinformation, which can undermine the quality of online dialogue. But here, here's the problem with that. Who defines what's misinformation and disinformation? Because we saw through the pandemic and we, what's in the news now, uh, you have uh, uh, things that are uh, you know, people that are on one side of the political spectrum are suddenly realizing that uh, uh, statements that were made two years ago about COVID is what I'm talking about um, may have been correct after all. And but they shut down the dialogue. They shut down the the scientific discussion uh, they shut down the freedom, the ability to talk about ideas. And so it made it really difficult then to distinguish fact from fiction. If you label everything as false before there is information to know whether it truly is false. Uh, we've always had that open dialogue and that's part of the problem. That's why I, I see that. Uh, uh, it, it's gotten so convoluted. Why, why digital empathy? Um, and I'll talk about that next, you know, but why it's been become so difficult to have empathy for other opinions is because, you know, people will, you hear something that is contrary to your belief. And so you shut them down before you can then have a dialogue before you can, go back and forth and hear those ideas and hear those opinions. I think change minds, have a discussion or walk away. But what you don't do is you don't stop people. You don't stop people from speaking. Digital empathy is, I'm going back to my, my blog post now. And if you've not read it, you go out to uh, buckleyplanet.com and you'll find this uh, article is digital empathy broken. Digital empathy refers to the ability to understand and share the feelings, 
and experiences of others in online or digital environments. It involves the use of digital communication technologies, most uh, you know, through modern social networking platforms. You think of tools that we would use at work. We have Zoom and Teams and, and kind of all these, these chat tools. And we use those to connect with others and to express empathy. I agree with you. I understand you. Kindness. You know, thank you for sharing that information. Understanding. Like, I don't agree with you, but I understand your point. I appreciate your perspective. But we're going to have to agree to disagree. We can still be friends. Look, I, I, I have, I'm a very conservative person. Uh, some of my closest friends are far left-wing far, far left wing. And yet we still have things that we agree on, friends and family and community and technology and a lot of other things. We don't have to talk about politics or religion and make each other angry. There's plenty of other things that we do agree on. And that's what we focus on. And so my my intent in writing the post was just kind of surfacing some ideas around there. I'm, I'm not trying to get political because honestly, look, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat here in the U.S. I'm in the middle. I think both sides are idiots. I'm, I'm more of a religious constitutionalist. Um, you know, the Constitution Party, I like a lot of what they say. They got whack jobs uh, uh, for their candidates. Uh, it's kind of, you know, that's always the case. If, if you're running for office, I automatically think there's something wrong with you. That's that's my position. Uh, but I've spent most of my career in collaboration technology. So watching some of the evolution, it's funny enough, and, and some of you have heard me talk about this before, but I was actually planning to pursue a doctoral program back in the early 2000s. I delayed my start um, twice. I lost my placement. I would have to go back and reapply. But the plan was to, and I started, um, and actually I started my blog what is now buckleyplanet.com, um, back in April of 2004. I actually started writing and, and collecting the works back in 2002, um, but we didn't even call it blogging back then, um, but went live with the old TypePad platform in, in April of 2004. Um, moved it over a few years back, uh, migrated everything over to WordPress. But, um, but the point was uh, my doctoral program was going to be looking at the social informatics around collaboration technology and specifically to look at how the use of these tools, social network to networking tools, um, collaboration technology, you know, more of the enterprise collaboration business tools changes the way that teams of, of teams of people work and how they gather information, how they use that information, share that information. So how I was interested in the evolution of modern work and how technology impacted that. So I was really excited to study that. Um, I'll make my excuses. You know, I, I joined Microsoft in, and, uh, in 2006 and I, I just, uh, uh, I just put it on on hold. I don't know. Maybe I'll eventually go back and do it. But but honestly, I've been working in this space for so long. I can still go and do the re research, write the books if I want. Um, I've, I've participated in writing six books. I'm not looking to sign up for another book project anytime soon. But but anyway, um, capturing tracking these technologies was part of what I was doing. Is uh, the reason that I launched uh, the 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 blog. And there's actually some of that old content that's still out there. There's thousands of posts that are out on Buckley Planet. Um, the search is not that great. I need to work do some performance tuning on the site. But talking about you know in the modern digital world, back to the article. 
people interact with each other through various platforms. So we have social media, messaging apps, emails, video conference tool, video conferencing tools, all these things. And all of these interactions can sometimes lack that emotional depth. We've all done that where we've written an email and then we go back afterwards and look at it and be like, that sounded really harsh. I, di I didn't mean to sound harsh at all, but I was just in a hurry. And so I jotted something down and reading it back and it might be interpreted as angry. And I think uh, Twitter lends itself to that, to that same problem where because it was, you know, originally what, 128 characters uh, and it's doubled now. And they're looking at, you know, even longer form, uh, the ability to write paragraphs of, 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 of information. And so you, you want to get the core information out in this short email response in this short chat message. And it, it sometimes can be conveyed as con conveyed as harsh, as, you know, a, a dry emotionless of uncaring, whatever, you know, and, and it's not your intent. So it's really difficult to do that. Um, I am more of a, I'm, I'm a, you know, manage by walking around. That's always been my style when I've been a people manager. Uh, I, prefer conversation uh, over uh, uh, the written communication. And so I like video content. And uh, and so I, I love you know, sitting and chatting with somebody in Teams. I do this on a daily basis where I'm like, I can sit here and we could type back and forth, but or let's just click on the little video icon and see each other and have the conversation there. If we want to record it and have it transcribed and captured for, you know, uh, for posterity, great, let's do that. Uh, make it searchable. There's a reason for for doing that, um, for for having transcripts of your internal and your company uh, videos. But so anyway, so the the interactions we have they lack that emotional depth and they with that the nuance of being able to see somebody track the eye movement, the posturing, uh, and so that can lead to mis miscommunication and misunderstandings. So digital empathy it's really trying to bridge that gap by incorporating emotional intelligence and human connection into digital interactions. And there's different ways that we do that. And some are more successful than others, like emoticons, um, adding GIFs. And yes, it's GIFs with the hard G, not GIFs. That would be a J yeah, or peanut butter. Yeah, it's a brand of peanut butter, people. Um, but so digital empathy it involves recognizing and respecting other people's perspectives their emotions and experiences even when they differ from your own it also involves actively listening hard thing to do for most of us in the modern world with my adhd my ocd uh you know all the, the all the issues that i have the learning disabilities growing up that's why i'm great with in person and dialogue and seeing in reacting to audiences when I speak to them. Like I hate doing just pure online and not being able to see the, the reactions, the facial expressions. Like, am I, am I going down a tangent? Am I losing people or are people riveted by that content? As I tell that other story, I want to be able to see that. I want to have that level of interaction so I can respond. They can respond and it, it, it acknowledges, you know, each other's uh, uh, emotional connection there. Which always makes me think of my favorite movie uh, in the world, Blade Runner. It's like it's designed to evoke an emotional response. Everything that I do, everything that we do, that are designed to evoke an emotional response. 
So we can do that. We could use emoticons. We can express our compassion uh, uh, by using different words, using movement, um, uh, smiling as we talk, um, but being actively engaged in those conversations. And you don't have to agree. You do not have to agree with people, um, but you shouldn't use the differences in opinion and life experiences to demean people, belittle them, or dis disparage others. Um, just, just don't. It goes back to kind of that, you know, the mom's golden rule. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. And um, I, I have a business version of that that I use. It's like, don't come to me with your complaints unless you have some suggested solutions. Because um, everybody is ready to complain and then we'll go, should we do it differently? What does that look like? They got nothing. Digital empathy is an increasingly essential skill in today's digital media obsessed world. Uh, having empathy for other human beings is at the core of building meaningful relationships. Hello. We have relationship problems out there. Everybody's, all the younger generations are talking about uh, people getting relationships later, if at all, getting married later, if at all. And, and a lot of that is because they don't know how to communicate anymore. Um, and communicating effectively and then contributing positively to online and in-person communities. It's one of the reasons why I love community inter interactions. And I won't say a name here, but there's, a, there's somebody who, he'll post things online and he's a Facebook guy. I've known him for over a decade. He is wonderful in person. He's funny. He's warm. And his online persona sucks. He's just angry and bitter and lashes out. Like there's nothing ever, ever positive unless he's wishing somebody a happy birthday. Um, there's nothing positive. There's no positive spin on anything. He only comments when it's to tear somebody or something down. And you would never know that to meeting him, meet him in person. And I actually um, had online interactions with him before I met him. And so I went in thinking, this guy is just a complete jerk. And the first user group sitting, hanging out with him, we were laughing and we've been friends ever since. Um, yeah. we're, we seem to be living in an era where tolerance for differing opinions is at an all-time low, especially within the discourse, if you can still call it that, within the social platforms. So the, I asked the question again, so is digital empathy broken? I don't think it's inherently broken. It, it can be challenging to practice that effectively in some environments. Um, they're just not, they're, they're, uh, Twitter is set up to be negative. Um, and, and even I find myself, I'm, I love draw, I, I like draw dry humor. I, I'm a very sarcastic person. Um, ask my kids and they'll give you a sarcastic answer back. I've trained them well. They, they have skills there. Um, but it, it's, I mean, look, so that's why it's, it, it, Twitter, especially, uh, to some degree, well, large degree Reddit. I mean, a lot of these platforms is because online communication platforms can sometimes be hostile, uh, anonymous or lacking in cues. And, and there's actually, I read this somewhere. I took some notes. I don't have the source here. Um, I, I was, um, oh, I've got some questions that I asked to chat GPT as well. Um, but this was from an article. Sorry, I'm reading from my one note and I didn't, it didn't paste the link. I don't know why I, 
I captured something and usually I've always got the source there. Um, talking about the state of online dialogue is complex and varied. On the one hand, the internet has opened up new opportunities for people to engage with others from all over the world and to share their ideas and perspectives. This has led to a vibrant and diverse online community. Yeah, it's had that. However, um, the internet has also given rise to a number of problems that can hinder productive and respectful dialogue. For example, Online anonymity and the ability to communicate without face-to-face -face interaction can encourage people to behave in ways they wouldn't in person, which is what I was talking about earlier, leading to the proliferation of trolling. Um, uh, do, do, do. So chat GPT, where is that? I had it. I also put it in OneNote and, oh, there it is. Okay. So I asked the, uh, I like some of these questions. Uh, I've not written, uh, read all of these. Um, I'm just going to share. So I, I asked ChatGPT, I said, so why are so many trolls on Twitter? And really it's not, and it's not just Twitter. I think this is, this is clearly true with most of the social platforms out there. It says number one problem, anonymity. Twitter allows users to create anonymous accounts or to use fake names, which can make it easier for people to engage in trolling behavior without fear of repercussions. And again, think of every other social, think of, of Reddit, think about comments on blogs and sites. And that's why uh, uh, the identity, understanding, requiring people to use actual names and emails greatly reduces um, the, the hate and, uh, and trolling. There's a lack of consequences. Twitter does not have strong enough policies and enforcement mechanisms to, to deter trolling behavior or to punish those who engage in it. I agree with that. Uh, this can create a sense of impunity among trolls and encourage them to continue their behavior. Uh, agreed. Uh, and that's something that it needs to be cleaned up. And I know there's work being done, but more needs to be done. It's the ease of use. Twitter is easy to access and use, which makes it easier for trolls to create multiple accounts and engage in mass trolling campaigns. And and look, that's one thing that uh, Elon is is taking on uh, that the previous administration was not at Twitter, which is rooting out the bots, getting rid of actively trying to get rid of the trolls. So that is something that is a change, you know, regardless of your political stint. It, it's uh. It, it, you you have to recognize that that is being cleaned up. Bot usage is way down. Uh, Attention-seeking behavior. Trolls often seek attention and thrive on the reactions they get from others. And that's why when people start trolling, I just mute or block. If I know them, if it's like a named person, if they're a blue check mark, you know, somebody that I've followed, I might mute them. So then it still makes them, you know, searchable, findable within uh, Twitter. Cause I do go in and search and look for certain threads and, and, and conversations and people, um, or I just block them altogether. Um, so problem solved. Um, for, for me there. And then there's the political polarization. So Twitter's become a platform, become a platform. It's always been a platform for political discussions and debates, which can sometimes become heated and polarized. This can attract trolls who seek to disrupt conversations and sow discord. So thank you, ChatGPT, for that. Um, so yeah, so I go, go back to my question. Uh, so is digital empathy broken? I mean, is there any way of coming back from this? Well, one thing I would like to point to before I read the rest of this and finish out the article and my thoughts here, um, here's a comparison. Uh, uh, look at LinkedIn and how 
different LinkedIn is. It's because uh, they set it up to be different, and it's business focused, sure. And there are, but there are Twitter-like sharings. There are people that are sharing personal things. Um, I think largely when people are doing things that are non-business related or overly negative on there, the community very rapidly shuts that down, tells people, I think this is inappropriate, uh, or they just, they don't give it the views. They don't give it the attention. And so it, it is not as successful. Uh, and so that's something that I am very grateful for. So I can do more sharing. And most of the things that I do out in the social networks are, you know, are, are, are business and technology related anyway. And so LinkedIn is more of a home for me there. Um, but then the other place, like I ignore, generally ignore just the thread on Facebook. Um, and I participate in communities on Facebook. And so the community leaders, um, they're in there actively curating, cleaning up and kicking out the people that are abusing the rules of those communities. And so community management is so critical. That's the factor at LinkedIn. It's community management. They set the rules around it, and then the community comes together to enforce that. And then you have communities, and, and, and I'll be honest, the communities in LinkedIn, are the groups are not as successful as the ones over on Facebook and other sites. Like I'm I'm on Discord. Uh, it's their... They're, uh, closely managed in the Discord uh, groups that I'm a member of. Some are, are massive communities on Discord, and they, uh, the 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 managers of those sites of those communities, uh, are very quick to jump in and remove people uh, and give them warnings and remove them if they act inappropriately. And maybe that's just the answer. We have had this. Um, you know, we've had this wide open, going back to Twitter, we've had this, this wide open. We need to, we need, it needs to be clear of what the policies are. And then it needs to be evenly distributed of those rules across the board. You can't have, you know, going after a uh, conservative and while not, you know, turning the, the blind's eye to the same behavior happening from, uh, from liberals and vice versa. It's like it has to be neutral, it has to be fair, but it also has to be clear to everyone about the purpose of that community. And so it, it, you know, it, if you are not clear about the purpose of community, the intent, what are the outcomes that we expect from this, um, then it's going to be a wild west. And if you are clear about those rules and enforce them fairly, then the community will start trusting that and will help enforcing that. So is digital empathy broken? Uh, I don't believe that it's inherently broken. It can be challenging to practice it effectively in some environments. And again, Twitter, it's, it's more of a wild west, um, LinkedIn's made it very clear, the Discord channels, um, a lot of these, I, I participate in Microsoft-related communities on Facebook, and they're fantastic because of how tightly they manage those things. And you can still speak your mind and share things, but it's in context to the rules, the guardrails of the community. Um, so... Um, you know, some things that you could do, for example, online comment sections and social media can often be breeding grounds for negativity, hostility, and trolling. This can be, make it difficult to practice di digital empathy in these environments. 
as people may feel disinhibited and more likely to engage in hurtful behavior. So agree with that. Well, I wrote it, so I agree with it. But not surprisingly, digital communication can be prone to misinterpretation. Wow, really? Due to the absence of nonverbal cues, uh, which I've talked about, which can lead to misunderstandings, miscommunications, making it harder to build empathetic connections with others online. Despite those challenges, though, and here's I, I, I ended the article, it is possible to practice digital empathy effectively by being mindful of our online interactions, by actively listening to others, using appropriate language and tone, and tone is the hardest thing to do, um, and especially if you're, you're short on time, and expressing empathy and understanding when appropriate. And it's, look, there's, there's times to be angry. There's times to, uh, to, to, to shout, um, to, uh, to raise your fist and disgust at, at, at somebody or some idea that's out there. Do it when it's appropriate. Don't have every response to somebody that doesn't agree with you um, to be anger. That's, that's I, I, I just, I don't get it. Um, it's essential to recognize that even in the digital world, we are interacting with other human beings who have their own thoughts, feelings, and experiences, and to treat them with kindness, respect, and compassion. And this is something where, think about this like in the business world. I'm really a fan of the delayed send of an email. If you're familiar with this this feature, uh, it's excellent. It, it, it says that you can, uh, you have the ability uh, to to set as a policy around certainly within Outlook and I think in other email platforms so that when you write an email, but that it sits there for, I don't know, you define it like 30 minutes before it's sent um, so that you have the time. It's in the queue. And of course, you can do this. You can create a draft, but this is actually you've hit send, um, but that you can actually go back in and and edit. And um you know, I mean, this, this is uh, that idea, like the advice that every newly married couple is given, you know, never go to bed angry. Uh, it, it, don't stew on that. You know, get it out, get it done, forgive each other, uh, you know, and before you go to sleep, it is just, uh, you know, it, it's the same with like the, the angry email. Um, and I've often, I've written some of those and thankfully was present of mind enough to keep it in draft and go back and look at it hours later or the next morning and completely rewrite it uh, and soften my tone with that because I had time to get past the anger of the situation and be a little more thoughtful about my response back there. Because again, um, you know, there, there are times when people intentionally go and say and do things to try and be provocative, to try and bring you to anger and get that, you know, evoke that emotional response. Um, don't fall for that. <laughs> be the better person. Um, as I always jokingly tell my kids, you know, rise above it. We're professionals. Rise above it. Um but uh, yeah, there's, I, I think that's like comes from like a Monty Python thing. So the, the rise above it, but, um, uh, but, but yeah, so, so just remember that um, just as we are so quick to um, throw in a comment, make a snide remark, use my sarcasm, all those things that um, think about how it could sound when you're writing 
you know, 240 characters. Um, and so that's why I like, you know, some people used to be so critical of using the use of emoticons. Um, I now, when I'm sarcastic, I almost always add the uh, winky eye smiley in there so that I'm saying to, to the rest of the people, somebody may read that and say, what a rude remark. Oh, I, I believe he was being sarcastic. Uh, it, it is interpreted that way. That's meant to be that way. Um, so, uh, you know, or say something that sounds overly harsh uh, back to friends, but can be interpreted, but uh, attached to it is a gif of, you know, of, of, of a scene from the movie Dumb and Dumber or something that's like, obviously, okay, yeah, this is a friendly banter, you know, between two people. Um, just something to be self-aware. So much of this is just about being self-aware. It really is. Um, say what you want to say. Be righteously angry uh, or, or in disagreement on a topic. Um, but be aware of how it sounds. Am I just arguing for argument's sake? Am, am I the a-hole? <laughs> or... Um, you know, is it just the interpretation of those words? Are you just trying to be, because, because I get this all the time where people misinterpret my, I'm a very passionate person, especially when talking about uh, kind of two topics, you know, technology related things, things that I get very excited about. And I'm very passionate about in leadership development, people management side of things uh, is, is, you know, is, is people and, and treating people the right way and treating them as human beings and listening to them and getting different points of view. Not, I, I talk a lot about, you know, not managing by spreadsheet. Look at the table of data that says one thing. Yeah. Did you go have a conversation with the person? Find out what's actually going on. Was it a bad day? Was it, it it's consistent bad behavior? Um, is there something else going on? Have the conversation. And you'd be amazed at how many times there was one idea from management of that this is what's going on and going and having a conversation on the floor by walking around and talking to people, you get a very different perspective. And the same is true with online dialogue. And uh, yeah, it's... Look, I, I, I have the benefit of, as I talked about at the beginning, of, of being focused on this aspect of collaboration for, uh, how long has it been now? So long. Yeah, almost 20 years now um, in this space around this technology. That's why I got into uh, SharePoint and I was working on other you know, social media technology prior to that. Um, really been in social media space since the chat tools started popping up in the mid nineties and managed that for my organization. Uh, my, my former college roommate and close friend um, uh, actually ran uh, AOL instant messenger was there with the ICQ acquisition. So been using the chat based technologies since the early nineties. And uh, so yeah, it's been part of my, career that entire time. And so watching that change and evolve, and as the internet started to grow, um, seeing the decline of conversation and community, um, 
I've had a lot of time to think about it and to uh, to write about it. And I'm going to be sharing some more ideas on this going forward. But anyway, I just wanted to share this this article, the digital empathy, is digital empathy broken? Go take a look at the blog post. Of course, I've just about recited the whole thing here um, today. But I would love to know your thoughts about this, about this topic. So please share your feedback. And uh, I should be back next week with uh, another episode of the Collab Talk podcast with another guest going through and talking about technology stuff, not all this, this stuff where I'm telling people to calm down. But thanks for listening. I'm going to go work on another blog post. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published on most Fridays, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.